You could just advance the slide and wait till it comes around. Ta-da, there we go. Matthew 21, verses one through five. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Matthew chapter 21, Jesus is on his way. This is the end. This is the, this is the moment that Jesus has come to earth for. This is the beginning of Passover and he's headed into Jerusalem to make, they they call this the triumphal entry in your little heading in in your Bible. But this day that he's coming in on is a very special day. It's a day that, that has meaning. See, thousands and thousands of people are on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Just throngs and throngs of people would be just filing into this city. And Jesus has picked a very specific day to enter into the city. Now, I know we've talked about this before, but we can talk about it again because review is good. Does anybody know what day this is that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem? And it's not Palm Sunday. That's very Christian. No. When? Uh Uh-uh. Today? No. It is Lamb Selection Day. Duh. See, this is the day that's, that goes back to Exodus 12 when God says to the people, you got to pick a lamb. And the lamb has to be a male lamb. And it has to be without blemish. And it has to be, it has to be big enough for your family to eat. And if you can't afford a whole lamb, then, then, then find your neighbor and share a lamb with your neighbor. This is the day that they would pick that lamb. And then they would care for it for a couple days. And then as Passover started... To get near, they'd, they'd sacrifice the lamb. I know that just kind of puts a little in us, but guess where the meat comes from from Stop and Shop? They don't grow it in the packages, okay? So, so don't come down on them. For the, don't be grossed out by this. And, and, and this is one of the ways that they will begin to celebrate Passover. Now, Passover is that time when they were in Egypt, and the Lord said, take a lamb slaughter the lamb, take the blood, put it over your doorpost, and the the angel of the Lord will pass over your home and nothing will happen to your firstborn. But all of Egypt, their firstborn were killed. And this was the the thing that got Pharaoh to kick Israel, the, the nation of Israel, out of his land. And this is what they're celebrating. They're celebrating Passover. And now we have Jesus, the Lamb of God, entering into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day. In the very near future, in just a few days, Jesus will be sacrificed. Jesus' blood will be spilled for all men, for the forgiveness of sins. God's Lamb. But the people are missing the point. The people don't see the importance of what's going on here. And Jesus rides in on a donkey. You see, his entire life has been the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Over and over again, the Old Testament prophets spoke of the Messiah. And everything that Jesus did fulfilled those prophecies. And this would be no different. It says, 
see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. But the people don't see gentle. The people don't see humble. They see, they see a king. They see a leader. They see a freedom fighter. This is not who Jesus is. Verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Passover is a celebration. It's a season of freedom. It's when God came and moved for his people in a big way and freed them from their oppressors. Now, I guess the closest thing that we would have in our day without the religious context would be 4th of July. It would be Independence Day. And, and that's what, there's, so there's this national pride that's, that's going on here. But remember, even though God rescued them from Egypt and they're celebrating this freedom, Israel is still at this moment in history being oppressed by another nation by another kingdom. They're being oppressed by Rome and they have to submit to Roman authority. They have to pay unbelievably high taxes. Some historians put it at 80 to 85%. Could you imagine you working and every dollar you made, you would have to pay 85 cents to the government. Doesn't make Obama's plan seem so bad now, huh? But, but anyway, I'm not taking sides. Don't get wiggy on me. I don't want any emails on Monday. So anyway, but so wait, where was I? Uh, Okay, so it was costly to keep the Roman war machine going. And oppression was fierce. And the Jewish people, they longed, they longed for their freedom. As, as, As any people would, no one wants to be oppressed. Everybody wants freedom. Now, The historian, Josephus, the ancient historian, he wrote many times that throughout the course of Israel's history, many messiahs, self-proclaimed messiahs would show up. And these men would would begin to um, claim that they were the chosen ones, that they were the messiah of Israel. And during Passover, this was the perfect time to make themselves known. There's a lot of people here. There's this sense of of national pride. They would have the ear of thousands and thousands of people because they're always hopeful for freedom. It's it's, it's intrinsic into each, driven deep into each person's soul and their heart that they long to be free. And so these messiahs would come and they they would start speaking about revolution and winning their freedom. And sometimes, sometimes riots would break out. Because the people understood that when the Messiah comes, finally, once and for all, they would be free. It's like Exodus, the sequel. And they're waiting for this to happen. And so during Passover, Pontius Pilate would be marching into Jerusalem with more Roman soldiers because they're going to be ready. If anything starts to, any uprising begins, Rome will be there to suppress it. And there's this mighty show of force. And ancient historians talk about massacres by the Romans from the people who, who began to get a little out of hands. See, 
it would seem that these messiahs, man, they're just, they're just nothing but trouble. And so Jesus, he comes in to the city, the Lamb of God. People are celebrating. People are stoked. They know who this guy is. They've heard of the things he's done. He raised some dude from the dead. He, he's been healing people from sickness. He's been giving sight to the blind. He's been opening the deaf's ears. This is, this is God stuff. This is big time good stuff. Can this be the one? They are hopeful. Maybe he's the real deal. And finally, he is going to save them from Rome. And so they greet him as they would greet a victorious king. They begin to begin to lay down their coats on the road and begin to cut these, these palm branches off the trees and lay them down, and they're waving them. Jesus, the Lamb of God, coming into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day. But we have to understand, this is a very politically charged atmosphere that's going on here. See this, this whole palm branch thing? It's not about love and peace. Palm branches to the Jewish people, they represented freedom. They represented their desire to be free. It would be like us waving our flag on Independence Day. It's our symbol of freedom. And that's what the palm branch represented. And so this has the makings of a political freedom rally. And people are starting to make a lot of noise. This would definitely make the six o'clock news. And just like all good rallies with a good crowd, people begin to chant, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. And I know that word, Hosanna. We like to say, you know, Hosanna. Hosanna, you know, you know we, we, get, we feel, all feel good. That was my best Pentecostal move. That's all you're going to see. So anyway, um, that's not even charismatic. That was purely Pentecostal. But, but so they start to sing, but that word Hosanna has meaning. It means free us, save us. They are shouting out to Jesus, son of David, deliver us. They're tired. They're tired of being oppressed by Rome. And they want their freedom. And at this point, they got to be thinking, man, this, this has got to be the guy. So son of David, let's get this party started. Deliver us. Do what the Messiah is supposed to do. Save us. And there's people in the front of him. And there's people in the back of him. And they're laying their coats down. And they're putting the branches down. And they're shouting. See, they have to be thinking this. This, this is it. This is the promise of Moses. This is the promise where it says in Deuteronomy 18, check this out. This is Moses speaking. He said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your own people. You must listen to him. Moses, he manifested the power of God. The plagues that he brought on uh, Egypt by the power of God working through him. The whole Red Sea thing. Water from a rock, smoke and fire on Mount Sinai. He came down with the Shekinah glory all over himself and he had to wear a veil in front of him. He manifests the power of God before the people and he saved them and led them out of Egypt. And now we have Jesus and the crowd wants him. The crowd hopes in him. 
that he is the one. He is, he is manifesting the power of God. And they see this. So he must be the one. And people are getting very excited and they're shouting, Son of David, deliver us. Save us. But this whole scene that's taking place, it can get a lot of people into a lot of trouble. You see, this is a, this is a political rally that's taking place here. This is a freedom rally. Now we have to pick up the story now in the Gospel of Luke. Luke 19. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud, loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will, will cry out. And so what's going on here is there's a lot of noise and people are getting all worked up and they are, they are welcoming Jesus as a king, which Caesar is not going to like, which Caesar is not going to allow. The Romans have definitely, they have their eye on this situation. In fact, they are prepared for just these occasions. That's why they have the show of force coming into Jerusalem. And see, back then, they didn't have like pepper spray and like tasers and tear gas or even rubber bullets. The Romans were brutal. They had swords. They had these, these sticks with chains and, and hooks and big balls on the end with spikes. They had clubs. You see, people could die for this uprising. And Rome was ready to do whatever it took to quiet them down. And the Pharisees in the crowd, they say to Jesus, rebuke your disciples. And you see, it's not because they're jealous. It's, they, they call him teacher, which is kind of a, a term of respect. See, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're nervous and they're worried that this is going to catch the attention of the Romans. They don't want to see a riot. They don't want to see people getting killed. And they also don't want Rome to step in because there was always this tension that if the Jewish leaders could not control their own people, then Rome would take complete authority away from them. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they did not want that to happen. And so they tell Jesus, shut them up. They're calling attention. This is not going to be good. And Jesus is like, listen, boys, you know, if you shut these people up, even the rocks cry out. Even the stones will shout out. They miss the point. They miss who Jesus actually is. See, there's a, there's a clash of two worldviews going on here. It's God's redemption and salvation against religion. People are missing the point. Everyone is. The people, the leaders, and Jesus, he has been with them for years. He's been teaching. He's been traveling. He's been healing. He's been doing life with these people. And his life is the perfect example of a descending life. God himself 
came down to earth and became one of us and suffered hunger, pain, and thirst. And eventually he would be crucified and he would die on a cross. The descending way Jesus modeled his entire life. But this crowd wants him to ascend. They want a military leader. They want a political leader. They want somebody to free them from Roman oppression. But that is not the way of Jesus. Look at what Paul says about him in Philippians. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is our Jesus. This is our Savior. This is our King. And the people, they, they just don't get it. You see, Jesus has come to release and to restore and to, to, to give back, but the crowd is missing it. He's come to free us into a deeper intimacy with the Father. He's come to free us to live and to walk in this divine life. This is our Jesus. And so he rides in on a donkey. And I can't imagine that there's any kingly waves going on. I'm sure he's not high-fiving anybody. There's none, there's none of this, but everybody around him is celebrating. Jesus has to be somber in these moments because he knows that this journey is a journey of betrayal, torture, crucifixion, and death. And yet he still has a heart that's filled with compassion. Jesus knows that he is going to be nailed to a cross for something that he did not do. And yet, he is still adamant about pursuing the will of God and seeing it to completion, no matter what the cost is. Even in the midst of these people cheering, Son of David, save us. And the whole time, Jesus has this deep, endless, far-reaching love for these people. These people that just don't get it. These people that are missing. And you know what happens at this point? The Savior of the world, God, He breaks down. He breaks down. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come on you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Two times in the Gospels, we find that Jesus cries. And the first time is when he comes to his funeral, uh, when he comes to his friend's funeral, Lazarus. 
And Jesus knows what he's going to do. He knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. That's why he waited. That's why he hung back a little bit for a couple days. He knows how the story is going to end. But when he gets there and he sees all of these people grieving without hope, it says that Jesus wept. And the word wept in that instance means to, to cry quietly. It's a quiet sadness. It's if you were to see somebody standing there with just kind of tears running down their face. Jesus saw the sadness around him and he, and he wept quietly. But here, this is, this is much different. The word wept here means to wail aloud. It's open sobbing. There is nothing quiet about what Jesus is doing here. He is sobbing over the city and he is sobbing over the people who are not understanding what is right in front of them. If you would only know what would bring you peace, if you only knew how, that you, how you can have the shalom of God in your life, if you could only understand God's salvation and God's love and God's plan, they don't understand the reconciliation that is being offered to them, that they can, be, they can walk right with the Father again. Instead, they've bought, into, they've bought into religion and they've bought into tradition and they've bought into rules and regulations. They've bought into politics. Jesus says, man, if you only knew what would bring you peace. And he gives this, he gives this prophecy that doesn't, doesn't fare well. It doesn't, it doesn't look good for these people. Their enemies are go- they're going to be destroyed. I mean, they're children. And I have to think, what if? What if they got it? What if in that instance they recognized Jesus as the Messiah and the love of God manifest in the world? What if they got it? Would this prophecy have to take place? Would their destruction have to take place? It's a question that we may never have an answer to. And so he's, he's crying over them and he tells them why, why this is all going to happen. Because you fail to recognize the time of God's coming to you. They fail to see God reaching out into humanity and saying, here I am. Follow me. This is the way you do it. Here I am. And so these people, they think they have it all figured out. They have Jesus pegged. They know what he's going to do. And their expectations are all in place. And they shout their praise because they figure this is the way it's going to go down. Son of David, save us. And they miss it. They miss the point. The people, the religious leaders, I would even dare to say the disciples have to be all caught up in this big celebration. Son of David, say us. And with all that save us, and with all this going around, uh, happening around Jesus, all this celebration and praising breaks down, cries, sobbing, 
over the people. If only you can see. If only you could understand. If only you, you recognized God's coming to you. My question for you this morning is this. It's Palm Sunday. I guess we can call it Lamb Selection Day. It's not a particularly popular name. You won't see a greeting card that says Lamb Selection Day. But my question to you is this. On this day, today, is Jesus crying over you? Is Jesus crying over you because you've missed the point? And you just don't get it. Is Jesus' heart, is, is his heart broken for you because you are looking for your peace and your wholeness and, and, and your purpose in all of the wrong things and in all of the wrong places? And he is sobbing for you. Maybe, maybe Jesus is crying over you because he longs to have you as his son or daughter. You're just not there yet. The Savior of the world, his heart is broken. Have you missed the fact that God is coming to you? Saying, here I am. Do you understand Jesus cries over each one of us? Have you made Jesus into something he's not so you can get or try to get the very thing that you want, the thing that you deserve. He's broken for you because you're misdirected. Have you missed the fact that he sees all of your sin, all of your guilt, all of your shame, and yet still loves you with all of his forgiveness, mercy, and passion. Have you missed that? Have you missed the fact that Jesus can see right into the blackness of your heart and longs to release you from that darkness so that you can walk in light and walk Freedom. Is Jesus crying over you today? We're going to show a video this morning. I want you to look at the images. I want you to listen to the words. It's not too late. You know, we've, we've been celebrating this time in Lent that that there would be spiritual renewal in our lives. That, that, that we would take stock in, in how we're living and go, you know what? Jesus has paid. He's given everything. Everything. Just to be with you. Just to be with you. And so this is traditionally Holy Week. As we, we come into the week before Easter, next week we'll celebrate Easter Sunday, 
Don't waste this week. Pursue the God who is pursuing you. Open your life to the God who is coming to you. Remember how much you are loved. How much has been given. You can have everything. Don't forget that Christ is yours. I love you guys. And uh, I'll see you next week.